Welcome home. I'm Dr. Tama, a minister, licensed psychologist, and sacred artist. And this is Homecoming, a podcast to facilitate your journey home to yourself. While I will provide weekly inspiration and mental health tips, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. I'm so excited you're on the journey. If you want to request specific topics or share your progress, email me at homecomingpodcasts at gmail.com. Also, after you listen, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Let's begin. Welcome home, co-journers. I am so glad that you're here and excited to acknowledge our sponsor, Pepperdine University's online program where I teach. And two of the classes that I teach online, which I really love, are our Lifespan Development class and Trauma in Diverse Populations. And in Lifespan, we're able to talk about the major challenges that happen prenatally as an infant, a toddler, in childhood and adolescence, early adulthood, middle adulthood, our senior years, and also dealing with death, dying, and loss. And so there are so many uh, challenges, but also growth moments that happen over the course of our lives. And I also really enjoy teaching our Trauma in Diverse Populations course uh, that many of us here on the homecoming journey are not only dealing with stress, but traumas. And so looking at how we heal as we consider our culture and what we have learned and the ways those things can serve us and even the ways that some things can be challenges or barriers. So if you have an interest in learning more about psychology, pursue your purpose at online psychology at Pepperdine. Visit www.pepperdinepurpose.com backslash homecoming to learn more. So thank you so much, Pepperdine Online. I'm also grateful that we have a poetry submission this week coming from Abigail, and uh, she sent her piece reflecting on her vows, her promises to herself, and they were inspired after she listened to episode 20 on reparenting ourselves, how we can nourish and uh, really feed into ourselves, protect ourselves, love ourselves. And so thank you, Abigail, for these beautiful vows, and I will share them now. And if any of you have written poetry about your homecoming journey, please email them to me at homecomingpodcast at gmail.com. Here is Abby's piece. I, Abby, take you to be my life partner. I have watched you grow into a beautiful woman inside and out. From this day forward, I promise to be patient with you. I vow to be supportive of you. I vow to show you you are deserving of unconditional love. I promise not to make you feel like you are unheard. I promise not to make you feel that your feelings do not matter. I vow to you today that I will never make you feel that you are not good enough. I promise to be honest with you. I will never spread myself so thin that you will feel feel there is no space for you. I will show up for you. I forgive you for all past mistakes, allowing people in our space who had no business there. I want you to let go of guilt and shame. If you knew then what you know now, those who hurt you wouldn't stand a chance. I will be with you on this journey. 
I will only allow people in our space that are receptive and supportive of our journey. If it's never safe to be you out there, you are safe with me. Until the end of time, it is you and me. If nobody else believes in us, I do. You can always count on me. I love you. Oh, these are so beautiful, Abby, and so important for us to forgive ourselves, releasing the shame and guilt, and really showing up for ourselves, acknowledging what we feel, what we think, what we need, what we want, and your vows that you have written and shared with us are in such perfect alignment with our topic for today as we are talking about healing from emotional abuse and for some that will be healing from narcissistic abuse and some might identify it as healing from psychological abuse. And we had uh, people who wrote in requesting this topic and some were talking about healing from romantic relationships And some wrote about having a narcissistic parent and having to heal from that. As I was thinking about the topic and preparing for it, I also became mindful of those who have experienced narcissistic abuse or emotional, psychological abuse from a boss or supervisor at work, uh, those who have experienced it in a religious setting. And uh, being mindful of the different spaces that we occupy in which we can be uh, abused and ignored and in some ways erased. And I am so glad for us being able to survive and uh, for those who have escaped those circumstances. I am appreciative of your presence here in your healing journey and those who may still be dealing with it to a certain extent, um, I want you to know that you have co-journers who are uh, thinking such good thoughts toward you and hoping uh, that your circumstance is one of safety and that you experience relief and that you're able to get to a place of restoration. So I want to give uh, a number of tips to help us as we are trying to come home to ourselves in the aftermath of emotional abuse, psychological abuse, narcissistic abuse. So the first step I want to name is the importance of reclaiming your identity. When you have dealt with a narcissist, often they have intentionally made you feel very small, made you feel very insignificant. Uh, people who verbally abuse you, who psychologically abuse you, who emotionally abuse you, uh, really the motive is power and control and the idea of them wanting to have all the power and so really dominating your life, dominating uh, and removing your choices, your possibility, your options, and even causing you to lose sight of yourself. And so that's why it's so important in Abby's poem, she was talking about, even if nobody else is there for you, I'm going to be there for you. Uh, Because what abusers often do is make you doubt yourself and create insecurity and really having uh, you live from a place of tension and fear 
and a sense of unworthiness. And so as you look to heal, it is a shift where I want to move away from seeing myself through the eyes of the abuser. So whether the abuser was your spouse, your parent, your boss, whoever that person was, uh, your faith leader, that I want to shift out of letting them define me and I want to reclaim who I am. I want to rebuild who I am. And so sometimes when we have that negative tape running in our heads, it, you want to really interrogate where did these messages come from, right? Who told me that I wasn't smart or that I was unattractive? You know, who made me feel like um, I should just be lucky to be in this circumstance even as I'm being mistreated? You know, where did I shrink over the process of this relationship so that I've been living like some other kind of person? I've been living as a fraction of who I am. And so some of us have the capacity to roar, uh, but we have been whispering that we have the capacity to fly, but we have been crawling. And so when we wake up to that revelation that realization that this is not me. And however long I have been in this, if it was your parent, that could be, you know, your whole life. If it was a dating relationship, it could be years of your life. However long I have been on this job with this person in this circumstance, that even if I spent years operating and navigating the world as something that I'm not, that it is not too late for me to come home to me. It is not too late for me to reclaim myself, to decide it's not just that I can't do it anymore, but that I choose not to, right? That I choose that uh, in this life, I believe, or even if it's just a part of me, right? Because the doubt and insecure can be loud, but a part of me believes that I am worthy. A part of me believes that I am deserving of love, of respect, of care, of compassion. And so I will not allow the constant criticism and put downs of the abuser to define me any longer. And so I invite you on this week to begin journaling about who are you, not how have you been treated, but who are you, not who did they tell you you were, but who are you that we get to define ourselves in Kwanzaa? One of the principles of Kwanzaa is self-definition, right? And self-determination. And so uh, for us to take the pen out of the abuser's hand, the writing pen out of the abuser's hand, and begin to write out my own identity and to begin to cross out the lies that I have been told about myself. And so as I recover, I get reacquainted with myself. I start to either remember or discover for the first time what I enjoy, what I want, what I need, who I choose to show up as, and who I want to spend time with. And so during uh, this period of self-exploration, it's important not to just jump into another relationship where I'm giving a new person the pen, right? I'm looking for a new person to define me, 
uh, because then now they are telling me who I am. And while a part of our healing is relational, a part of your healing is also internal, right? It's also that self-reflection, uh, that reflexivity where I can consider myself, I can consider my feelings, I can consider the dreams that were deferred or that were laughed at, the parts of myself that I hid because I believe they were unacceptable. And so I can uh, rediscover my identity. And for some, it will be discovering who you are for the first time. And that's a beautiful, sacred moment and opportunity. And so when that self-doubt and insecurity starts rising up, you really want to ask yourself, who told me this lie about myself? Who was it that made me feel like I didn't matter? And the last thing I want to do is be in agreement with them. The last thing I want to do is agree with an abuser about my worth, my value, my identity. So when I find myself joining in to that negative self-talk, then I know I have to shift because I'm not going to speak over myself the very same things that were spoken over me, spoken to me uh, by those who wanted to destroy me, break me, erase me, use me, uh, desecrate my very being, right? Dishonor my sacred human identity. And so really taking the gift of this present moment to determine your self-definition, right? And so some of us, when we have been in these relationships for a long time, will want to immediately go to, but they said, or they did. And so the question is not just about what they said and what they did, it's now, but what do you believe? What do you want to believe? Who do you want to be? How do you want to show up in the world? And so while a part of healing from trauma does incorporate looking at the narrative, the story, the events, what happened, another part of the healing is the homecoming of coming into myself, right? Coming into myself, telling myself the truth, as Abby said. The next thing is practicing self-compassion. That when we have been in abusive relationships, we often internalize that critical voice. And so you often had to live on eggshells and, uh, you know, really watch everything you said and everything you did and what you wore and how you acted in front of people. And when you were by yourself and, you know, you may have been criticized all the time for even a facial expression or uh, someone would overinterpret anything that you did. And so sometimes we, in order to survive that, had to learn how to constantly analyze and criticize ourselves, you know, because when you're in that people-pleasing moment, that people-pleasing season of I need to make sure they're happy while I abandon myself, while I neglect myself. And so I turn off that constant internal critic. And I shift into self-compassion. I give myself compassion for even uh, the mistakes that I made or the regrets that I have. As Abby said in her piece, that, you know, if I knew then 
what I know now, those people would be in trouble. They wouldn't have been able to do all the things they got away with. But I have compassion for myself because the reality is I didn't know or I didn't have access to my voice or my power or my possibility or I didn't know things could be different. Or the other part that happens with abuse is usually the abuser is not abusive all the time. And so that's what can keep your hope alive of believing it's going to get better, it's going to be different. And so we want to really uh, be mindful about uh, the harshness with which we sometimes see ourselves. And so I don't want to be stuck in the shame and guilt and self-condemnation, but I really want to shift into self-compassion to not uh, blame myself for the ways in which I was manipulated to not judge myself harshly for uh, the times I forgave when perhaps I feel I should have walked away. Uh, But I begin to not only uh, forgive myself, but some of us need to also not carry the weight of responsibility that we've been carrying. You know, sometimes we're mad at ourselves for what other people did. And so I release myself from the responsibility, the burden of uh, holding myself in judgment because of other people's behavior and other people's treatment of me. And as I build compassion for myself, I also learn to praise myself because uh, sometimes we always focus on what we should have done, what we could have done, why it took so long, why we quote unquote allowed certain things. But if you really look back at your story and your experience with compassion, you will see things that are praiseworthy. It's incredible that in the midst of all of that, you were able to show up in the way you showed up. That while you were dealing with all of those challenges, that here you are in this side of it uh, with kindness or with dreams or with even a piece of hope right? To praise yourself for even the ways in which you survived, that it had an impact. And yet here you are on the homecoming journey. Ah, that is praiseworthy. That is praiseworthy that you have made your healing a priority, that you have found value in the journey. And so this is an important part of the healing. Then we have identity restoring, we have compassion for ourselves, and then understanding our complicated feelings, right? It's complicated. And so when, you know, whether that person is a parent or a a former partner, uh, might for some of you, it may be your current partner who is uh, emotionally and psychologically abusive, uh, that you may, judge yourself harshly for having mixed emotions. And it is so important to know that your emotions were coming from an authentic place, were coming from a sincere place. And so it would make sense that you're not just able to flip them off like a switch. So while you may have the frustration, while you may have the anger and the disappointment, you might also still care. There are ways that you may have even been protective 
of them by not telling people all of what happened or all of what they did, in part because of embarrassment, but in part uh, in some ways to even protect the one who was harming you. And so to give yourself space to tell yourself the truth about your mixed emotions. Because sometimes when we are in denial, we can begin to operate out of emotions that we're not acknowledging. So in order for me to grow and to heal and to fortify, to strengthen myself, I have to really begin to tell myself the truth, right? The complicated truth. The next thing is to begin taking care of yourself and to have friendship or community with people who are caring toward you. That when you are in a relationship with a narcissist, they are the center. Their needs, their wants, their care take center stage. And so in the midst of that relationship, you likely lost sight of yourself. So it is not only about rebuilding your identity, but actually taking care of your needs, your emotional needs, your physical needs, even your spiritual needs. And so to begin to give yourself rest, allowing yourself a good night's sleep is a part of the restoration process. Giving yourself permission to relax instead of always pushing through. When you were in that relationship, you likely had to often compartmentalize or disconnect from your pain or disappointment or frustration and try to put on a happy face or a blank face to try to keep things going, trying to keep the relationship going, uh, trying to handle everything that needed to be handled. But you are not, for those of you who have escaped it, you're not in that anymore. So when I feel overwhelmed, I can stop. When I feel stressed, I can give myself permission to relax, to meditate, to breathe, to not always have to be on, to not always have to be busy. I can even make time for hobbies or things I enjoy. And we had an episode on uh, cultivating your play and your joy. And often when you are with an abusive person, your joy is not a priority. Their joy is the priority. And so uh, you want to really become mindful of what do you like to do? And if you say nothing, that might be the depression speaking. Because one of the things depression does is it takes away our ability to enjoy things. So from a behavioral standpoint, from an action standpoint, to give yourself permission to start exploring and experimenting with different activities to see what you enjoy, what you like. And then a part of your self-care is also uh, mutual care, which is spending time with caring and compassionate people. So, you know, we are shifting out of letting narcissists occupy your life, your time, your energy, your schedule, your priorities, you know, shifting out of letting emotionally manipulative and abusive people occupy your life and becoming open to spaces where people are authentically kind, where people actually care, 
where they check in with you, where it's not just one-sided, one-dimensional, where it's not all about the other person, but you can actually pr be present in the friendship, in the relationship, at the workplace, where you actually matter, right? Where you are significant. And so connecting with and spending time with compassionate people can be an important part of your healing. And then using healthy coping skills that when you are feeling the fear, the dread, the insecurity, the loneliness, being careful about what you turn to, that I don't want to turn to unhealthy coping, things that end up making me feel guilty or sad or embarrassed or that um, cause my health to deteriorate. I want to turn to things that build me up, that nourish me, that edify me. And then speaking of things that edify me, taking time for uh, eating healthy meals. That is not just the center of what do they want? What do they need? While I ignore my own body temple, but I start to be intentional um, about nourishing myself, feeding myself. And then a part of your healing will also be getting physically active. That when you're in those relationships, Often you feel very stuck and stagnant and you're holding a lot in your body. So a part of the release will not just be me shifting my thinking, but it will also be me moving that stress out of the body, stretching and dance and yoga and walking and aerobics, uh, maybe even weightlifting or bike riding, but to release to be able to release what my body is holding. And then another part of the healing from psychological abuse is breaking silence and actually starting to open up to people. When you have been in a relationship with a narcissist, with someone who is psychologically abusive, you have often kept a lot of secrets. You know, you have held a lot in. And um, some things that are not acceptable, became acceptable, became a part of your everyday life. And sometimes you need what I call a thermometer in the room. You know, that if I've been stuck in this alter alternate universe, this other world, then some things I don't realize are outrageous because it's just how it was in the relationship. And so to do a reality check, sometimes to be able to talk to people about, you know, this is what they used to say to me or not say to me, this is how I was treated. You know, this, these are the actions that were done on a regular basis. When I break that silence, it helps me to break out of the shame, out of the isolation. Um, and it also helps me to break into truth, right? To really honor the truth of, oh my goodness, like that really happened and that's not okay, right? That's not okay. So when I break silence, I want to be careful to talk to supportive people. If you're talking to a person who believes psychological abuse is okay, uh, then they may say, well, at least you had somebody, so maybe you should go back. Or, well, that's what everybody does. So I want to be careful when I break silence that I'm talking to people who understand it, who have a, a healthy sense of, of what respect looks like, right? That have a healthy sense. Uh, of how people should treat you who claim to love you, yes? 
And so whether that is uh, breaking silence, talking to family or friends or support group or a therapist, uh, to be able to have those spaces. And even uh, with uh, during COVID, we have online spaces, online support groups and places where uh, you can break silence and uh, have meetup groups or uh, social media uh, groups and pages that provide resources and information. And so looking at uh, the possibilities in those places is really important so that you can get the support as you're healing. And uh, one of the challenges that we often face is feeling like we're alone or feeling like you're the only one to deal with it. And that is more so because of the secrecy and the silence. But many people have been in these circumstances of having been verbally, emotionally, psychologically abused, having been in a relationship with a narcissist, uh, whether by partner or parent or supervisor. Um, but I want you to know it is possible. It is possible to reclaim yourself. It is possible to build new coping skills. It is possible to break silence and to no longer have to live in secrecy and shame. It is possible to survive the urges to go back or to contact them. It is possible and important to set up boundaries because one of the things about a narcissist is they like to operate without boundaries. They like to come in and take over and for everything to be what they want it to be, for everyone to act the way they want them to act, for you to always be available and accessible to them. And so a part of your healing will be setting up boundaries. A part of your healing will be saying, no, they cannot have constant access to my life. And so you will have to determine what those boundaries look like. And if there are issues of safety, to definitely reach out and get uh, support from professionals or in terms of a restraining order. So looking into your options of what is needed for you to be able to safely communicate and enforce your boundaries. So whether you have been dealing in the aftermath with depression, anxiety, thoughts of suicide or self-harming behaviors, I want you to know that there are many who have been in similar circumstances and with support have been able to recreate their lives, to restore their lives. And that is not easy, it's not instant, it's a process. You are worth the effort, you are worth the journey. And if you reach out to these different support groups or to a therapist, there are people who will want to walk with you on that journey. And so as you journey home to yourself, I am really honored that you are here with us I am honored that a part of you hopes, a part of you believes, a part of you knows that better is not only possible, but necessary, that you are deserving of care, of respect, of love, of mutuality. You are deserving of that, even if you've never had it.
I invite your soul to tell your heart, mind, body, and spirit, welcome home. Oh